1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All
2: right, welcome back to the Lake Show. News Talk 830 WCCO. Minnesota Vikings with just a spectacular comeback yesterday against the Atlanta Falcons. I know it was a back and forth game the majority of the way. But just the quarterback play that we saw there in the second half from Joshua Dobbs was, it was absolutely stunning. And he has been the talk of the NFL for the last 24 hours. Not just here in Minnesota, but all over the country. If you watch any of the major networks earlier today, the highlight packages, all of it, Joshua Dobbs, was part of the talk, especially on the debate shows. People were talking about him. And the talk revolves around and it should. The fact that this guy showed up to Minnesota last Wednesday, got into the game to replace Sharon Hall, who was knocked out of the game due to a concussion, and got the job done. You just don't see that. And so, in my opinion, when I look at Joshua Dobbs or just That game yesterday, just in looking at the game yesterday, that was one of the more exciting Minnesota Vikings games that I've watched in a while. And I mean that. And I honestly mean that. I'm not trying to pull anybody's chain here. I know that we didn't have um, a good running game yesterday. I know that Justin Jefferson didn't play. I know that K.J. Osborne got knocked out of the game. Right? Like, there was a... That was just a tough, hard-nosed victory. And for them to get the win in the way that they got that win, it was exciting. And Joshua Dobbs, by the way, you talk about being put into a pressure spot and getting the job done, that's exactly what he did. Not just that final drive. and We'll look back at that final drive and we'll say that was one of the best moments that he's had. Probably in his career. And I'll give him that. But everything that led up to that point was vital as well. But that touchdown pass to Brandon Powell, that was a thing of beauty. Third and four. Time. Catch! Brandon Powell, touchdown Vikings, and they have the lead! I am not ready to crown... Joshua Dobbs, because I think, and I'm going to use the word, I think I know what Joshua Dobbs is. I think that Joshua Dobbs is an up-and-down quarterback, an inconsistent guy, a guy that showed us that yesterday but then might come back to the pack on Sunday and not look as good. I think that that's what we're probably up against. Now, maybe he can find something. Maybe there's a formula. Anybody will look better when they have better weapons around them. And shout out to Jordan Addison for that phenomenal catch that he made in that final drive. But at the end of the day, yeah, sample size matters. It's one game with the Minnesota Vikings. But, man, that was one hell of a game.
3: It, I, I don't know if it's a season-changing win, but I feel like the confidence this team has now, and I think the confidence the fan base has as well. I, I give him a ton of credit, and a lot of the a lot of the talk coming in was, "Man, he's such a smart guy." You know, rocket scientist. You know, kind of yeah. having fun with all of that. But you read, and I read a lot of, of you know Purple Insider Matthew Collard stuff because he and and Brian Murphy do a great great job. I was reading all of that, and just kind of everything that had to be that had to go right for Joshua Dobbs, not taking a snap with anybody the entire week not even knowing players' names, you know. I mean, we kind of take all that for granted watching football, and to, to be thrown in like that, and Kevin O'Connell, I think we've got to give KOC a ton of credit for helping decipher and maybe filter out the noise for Joshua Dobbs mm-hmm. because he was changing things like on the fly, you get a lot of credit to, to make it easier for Joshua Dobbs so. in the headset. in the headset yeah, I, know.
2: Uh, I mean, think about know, that, you're trying to play and you got people just telling you what to do.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, and I told this to my wife, like Joshua Dobbs compared it to, okay, you've been studying Spanish all year, and then on Wednesday, somebody's like, well, you got a French test coming up on Sunday. It's like <laughs> it's like it's, it's a whole new language. But an absolutely incredible job being able to decipher. I think we saw the athleticism yesterday getting out of a couple of snaps, you know, getting out of a, a couple of spots. The throws, I wasn't expecting a lot of throws to be there because he doesn't know the offense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, you know, you can't throw somebody open like Kirk Cousins can. But I think we saw glimpses of what he could be. And, by the way, no Christian Darrisaw. Yesterday?
2: No cushion to air or saw.
3: K.J. Osborne was knocked out of the game with a concussion. I mean, Cam Akers left. Cam Akers with another for the, Achilles. He's, he's out for the season. And the Achilles and the Achilles was the injury that he suffered in Los Angeles. Two Achilles injuries for Cam yeah. Akers. You feel so different, bad for different
2: the uh, Different legs. Different yeah. legs, thankfully. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But, I mean, it's you, you feel so bad. But I feel like Joshua Dobbs, I feel like... He, he kind of gave everybody a little bit of juice. I mean, do you kind of feel that way, Henry? Like he's giving, absolutely he's given the fan base a little bit of juice the like fans okay.
2: think that this could be the guy. When you have fans that jump up today and they're yelling your name, heck, you asked about a Joshua Dobbs jersey. I think you might buy one this coming Sunday. Well, did
3: you know did you see the, the video when he was in Arizona? Like he went to the Cardinals team store and they did not have a Joshua Dobbs jersey? This okay. is like the third or fourth weekend. Now they probably made him, you know, pay for the printing himself. So that's why they didn't have any because the Cardinals are like super, super cheap. But yeah, they're, they're oh really...
2: no, no, no. But pay for what?
3: I, I pay mean, for fans to get one? No, I mean the Cardinals would make Joshua Dobbs pay for having his own jersey, and it's it's just a shot at the Cardinals. Oh, it's I get so you. easy I got to you. take it. So you. easy to take a I shot got at you. the Cardinals. I got you. But I mean, you know, there are a lot of backup quarterbacks that have come in and, and done good things. For the Vikings, so I'm not saying this. You know, I, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, Randall Cunningham coming in in relief of Brad Johnson in 1998, you know, or even you know, Trent Dilfer came in relief of of Tony Banks, you know, back in what 2000. And I'm just trying to think of a few, but it's, hey man, let's just enjoy it. I don't have any idea what's going to happen.
2: See, I think that th- there's one thing specifically that I do like about Joshua Dobbs. Okay, and I'm not somebody that looks and says, okay, Joshua Dobbs is the answer. That's not what I'm saying. I need to see a lot more of this guy because I think that I know what he is. Okay, he's not a rookie. He's not a second-year player. No, he's, he's not, not a third-year player. He's not a fourth-year p- player. He's been in the league what six years? I mean, so so come on, people. Let's slow it down and relax. But this the deal. There are a couple of players here that we looked at. We liked their ability to get out of the pocket mm-hmm. and be elusive use their legs, those guys being Tavares Jackson, Christian Ponder. But you know what they weren't? Those guys had no accuracy. True. Yeah. Can he be a guy with accuracy? Because I don't mind the scrambling and the running. I actually prefer it because I think that that's the way of the NFL now. And when I say the scrambling and the running, I'm talking about like a little bit of, you know, both worlds. Not just one guy. Sure, yeah. But if he can be accurate, I got no issue with it.
3: Well, he, he's a career sixty-two percent completion percentage with twelve touchdowns, eight interceptions. Very, very.
2: Yeah, but that's that's dink and dunk.
3: I, it, it is it is dink and dunk. And I will say that I feel like we
2: got to go down the field. We got Justin Jefferson, who's the best wideout in football.
3: Well, and, and that's the thing. I, I I think you take a look at the environment. Here in Minnesota, and I feel like the environment is much more suitable for having a guy like Joshua Dobbs, like trying to figure out an offense on the fly. I feel like Kevin O'Connell, being a former quarterback, understands it. I, I, the offensive line, still based on metrics and based on numbers, is a top five to 10 offensive line, which is a top five to 10 offensive line, which still. I I can't believe it because this offense I can't believe that. I I mean, yeah, it's like everything, it's...
2: There's sometimes Alexander Madison gets the ball and there's people already at his feet.
3: Yeah, so it's like, you know, pro football focus is saying, you know, yeah, these are all the metrics. But then you do have an offense that I feel could be created for him by Kevin O'Connell. When you do get Justin Jefferson back, you get TJ Hawkinson. You're starting to see a little bit of depth with receivers. and, And, I mean, let's be honest, quarterback play in the NFL is... It's just bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's, it's in an all-time low. So I feel like all you need, and the way that this defense is playing, like the defense is keeping them in games. You get a little bit more well-rounded on the offensive side. I, I don't see any reason why they can't at least, you know, be in the conversation.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing about this team. I do want to give some props to Brian Flores, even though they got really wore down uh, yesterday yesterday. That late-game touchdown that they gave up, yeah, they were tired as heck. But, man, that defense has been much better this year. And it's all because, all because of Brian Flores. It wasn't like they went out and no. they made some big, big-time acquisitions. No.
3: No, they actually got, I mean, they got rid of guys. They got rid of yes. Patrick Peterson and the Darius Smith and Eric Kendricks. And, yeah, you're, you've you got a revamped defense. I love Brian Flores. Like I, I do not want Brian Flores to go anywhere for a significant amount of time. I want him to I want him to stay here until he gets the guys that he wants.
2: Ooh, hey. anyway, coming up next. Thanksgiving meals are getting cheaper, and Christopher Tubbs has a theory on why. We get to that next
1: year on the Lake Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
2: Thanksgiving meals are getting cheaper. According to CNN Business, turkey prices have dropped by a lot as Thanksgiving planning ramps up. Which I actually like that because what was I complaining about earlier? Going to Costco and the pistachios being at a higher price—you might be able way to have, yeah. way marked up than what they should be, which is very very unfortunate. Uh, but according to um, to CNN Business, turkey, and we know that turkey Thanksgiving revolves around turkey. Okay, however you want to slice it, that's what it revolves around. That part of the meal. And Thanksgiving as a meal itself has become cheaper throughout the years. Uh, This from the piece from Michael Swanson, who's the chief agriculture economist with Wells Fargo Agri-Food Institute. There's been a big collapse of retail prices for turkey because turkey prices are down so much. And that's the centerpiece of the meal. Celebrating Thanksgiving at home will be more advantageous this year for families. It says store prices for the 10- to 15-pound turkey, typically the star of the dinner, Mm -hmm. have dropped 13% in October compared to same month last year. So I know that people out there will say, well, why do you think that is? The decrease in shelf prices for the bird also coincides with an even more dramatic 29% in the wholesale price for turkey this October versus a year ago, according to Wells Fargo. You brought up something to me that I think is actually a good take and a good point that people should probably factor in.
3: Well, you know, it used to be that you know Thanksgiving everybody gets together and you got this big meal with the the turkey and the stuffing and the cranberries and green bean casserole and you know pumpkin pie and everything. But I think as we've kind of gone along as a society, I feel like we've seen the trend in two things. Number one, less people are cooking at home; more people are going out. And then I think also, you've got some of these, and I saw it especially in Houston, where, I mean, more Hispanic, obviously, but there's a less traditional Thanksgiving meal out there. Yep. Like, some people like, okay, we're going to get away from the traditional, you know, we're going to go with a, a, a Thanksgiving, you know, tamales or enchiladas, or we're going to do, you know, something in the slow cooker. I feel like as much as the as the idea of the traditional Thanksgiving meal is out there, I just feel like every year it becomes less and less about what we used to. And, you know, as people get older, they start to like start their own traditions. You know, it's like, okay, this used to be what my parents did, but I want to do this. And then you kind of start doing other things and you just, you kind of get away from that. And with the prices and everything, the way that things had been, I mean, it it kind of makes sense, right? I mean, you, you don't want to, you want to be able to save your money where you can.
2: Well, I'll say this. When you said that to me, you brought up a great point. Because let's rewind the clock to 2000 and I'll say 15. 2015, or maybe it was 16. We're in the studio and we're talking on air. And it was me and my co-host Jay Binkley. I was in Kansas City at the okay. time. And it wasn't our show. The drive time show Wanted us in studio to debate a topic. And the topic was Thanksgiving foods. Okay. And so we're all throwing it out there in terms of like, like what we want on our plate. What's at the Thanksgiving meal. There were a couple of things that came up in that segment. And I looked and I was like, what? You're not actually preparing that for Thanksgiving. No one's actually eating that at your house. You're not actually. And they were like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, so like he one, was
3: just throwing things out there because well, you you thought that he was just a few trying people
2: to, a few people threw th- uh, th- uh things out there, and I was like, what yeah. so like for instance, crab legs who serves crab legs on, ter- yeah. on on thanksgiving that that can't be a thing seriously
3: I, I mean I'm sure there's somebody out there that that doesn't i mean you know you know there' not one hundred percent of the households are going to be out there that are going to be you know eating turkey and ham and you know everybody's going to be looking for alternative you know alternative meals so I mean I I I get it I could I could see it I mean it's never going to be on my Thanksgiving plate but I could see it
2: Anything that you've had that's untraditional
3: Um we had tamales when I was in in Houston Wait uh, wait you had tamales Tamales yeah Really Yeah wow yeah. Okay like homemade tamales And dude they were good I bet they were Oh man Yeah they were so so good I uh, I think we had Oh, we had some sort of Italian dish one time and I can't remember. It was like a some sort of pasta. Oh, I can't remember. What you got against turkey? No, no, no. I didn't prepare it. I didn't prepare it. This is where we were at. No, I, I didn't prepare it. I got nothing against turkey. Between I, I know turkey kind of, you know, gets a bad rap because sometimes it can be dry if you overcook it. I would much prefer turkey to ham. Any day of the week.
2: Mm. I mean,
3: if if you're giving me two of those, I, I will take I will take turkey over ham, any day.
2: You ever had honey baked ham?
3: I have. It's it's, it's okay. It's really good. It's okay. And
2: I'm not saying ham over turkey. I'm more of a turkey guy too. Yeah, but honey baked ham is really good.
3: Yeah, I, I think if you have something smoked or you have something mesquite, maybe maybe like that is is what I could say. But yeah, I. There's nothing out there in terms of, like, the honey honey baked is good where it's got the maple glaze on yes, it. Yes,
2: oh, it's so good. Yeah,
3: I, I can't, I, I don't know, I, I feel like, too, with with ham, there's just, like, more fat to cut around. And I, I I don't know, I just feel like I'm not I'm not getting as much meat with the ham as I am with the turkey.
2: The best thing a person could do if they've never tried it for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you have a deep fried a turkey.
3: No, but I I'm oh, I'm very wow. much interested in that. Goodness, I'm very much interested in that. Unbelievable. Yeah, I could I I could be down for I could be down for deep frying a turkey. You could. I could, yeah. Oh man, it's so good, dude. Yeah, I could I could. See now that that looks good.
2: All right, coming up next when we talk about voting and we talk about the ballots on Tuesday is book banning. Yeah, you heard me correctly. Book banning is that on the ballot right here in Minnesota? We'll talk to Duchess Harris, professor of American studies at Macalester College. She got um, she had a commentary for a Minnesota reformer that caught my eye. We'll get to it next year on The Lake Show. All right, welcome back to The Lake Show, News Talk 830-WCCO. When I was in Costco earlier today, I saw a gentleman that had uh, his voted sticker on. And I-, I love seeing those stickers. that let you know that you should go out there and you should support uh, the people and the things that you Uh, strongly believe in and the people that that are best suited to um, articulate and serve what you would like to happen here in society. So we know that about um, about going out there on Election Day. Well, one of the headlines that I saw with a Minnesota reformer, the headline, it just kind of took me back a second. And it's a commentary piece from Professor Duchess Harris. And it says book banning is on the ballot Tuesday right here in Minnesota. So I said when I saw that headline and when I saw the article and the way that it was laid out that I wanted to have a Professor Harris on the show. And she joins us now here on the Lake Show News Talk 830 WCCO. Professor Duchess Harris from Macalester College. Professor Harris, first off, thank you so much for your time this evening.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
2: Yeah, so I I wanted to have you on because this is actually a conversation that took place on my show a couple of months ago because I had... Um, uh, Justice, uh, uh, Minnesota, former Minnesota Supreme Court Justice Alan Page. He was in studio. He's a friend of mine. We sat in here. We talked about a a bunch of different things. And one of the things that came up was uh, the banning of books. And I know that after we had that conversation, there were several people that, uh, you know, reached out to me via social media and said that book banning is not a thing, which I know that that is. That's absolutely 100 percent not true. That commentary from those people, because book banning has been something that Florida right now is actively trying to lead the nation in. We've seen um, episodes in Texas where they're trying to uh, enact new laws uh, to affect uh, book bans. So so my question to you is when I see this headline from the commentary and the, uh, the opinion piece that you did, uh, take me behind the curtain or behind the scenes of, of why you want to put this together.
0: I wanted to put this together because um, over the last seven years, I've been writing books for middle school and high school students. And it came to my attention two years ago that when Texas put out their list of the 850 books that should not be allowed in public schools, four of my books were on the list. And I was concerned about that because I have written my books for several reasons. But one of the things that compelled me to write books for younger people was that I teach undergraduates who come to my courses who have no knowledge about the area of my expertise. Um, They haven't been trained in high school. And the thing that I like to share with people is I have colleagues in the math department Who never have students who haven't had at least pre-calculus because you couldn't get accepted into my college. Most students have had calculus so when they get to college they're able to do the work and most of the students start off at the same point. Um, In my courses it's not like that at all. If I wanted to write about the civil rights movement students would have no idea the contributions that African Americans have made during World War II. And so that makes it such that my lesson plans had to be completely revamped.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I looked at uh, your website, DuchessHarris.com, and I see your mm-hmm. resume, I uh, first mm-hmm. off, congratulations. I was, I was blown away. I was blown away. I said, I got to connect with her in some, 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 uh, some form or fashion because uh, I'm a proud graduate of Morehouse College um, oh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And, and so I, I said to myself, you know, when I see the, uh, the books that you've written and the, the academic stuff that you put out there, I definitely want to dive in. And, and just because I'm very inquisitive, I'm a learner. I've, I've always been a lifelong learner. I will always be that. And I love to, I love to read, right? I, I carry my Barnes & Noble car with me every single day of my life. But when I, when I look at society right now and I, and I look at one of the things that you brought up in the, uh, the piece that you wrote for Minnesota Reform, and, says, and you talk about, you touch on critical race theory. I got a question for you with regards to um, everything that's happening with critical race theory. The hating sure. on critical race theory without even knowing what critical race theory is for a lot of people, right? Or using woke as to try to negatively attack some people out there. And so many more examples. When do you think the, I guess, the assault on diversity is going to end?
0: Mm-hmm. I think that people use the phrase critical race theory as a dog whistle to anything that doesn't center whiteness. Now, academically, critical race theory, of course, is a genre that comes through legal education. Critical race theory isn't actually taught in most undergraduate courses. Now, because I have both a law degree and a PhD, and I've taught race and the law at Mitchell Hamlin, and I'm going to teach black health law at the University of Minnesota Law School next semester, I'm able to translate the concept of critical race theory to some of the undergraduates at the University of Minnesota. But for instance, if you were to read um, Cheryl Harris—no relation—but Cheryl Harris's article "Whiteness as Property," which was published by Harvard Law Review thirty years ago, um, it's it's more than a hundred pages, mm-hmm. and it's so critical. Race theory has nothing to do with K through twelve, and is actually pretty difficult to discern if you haven't been taught how to read um, case law. Um so it's pretty difficult for even undergraduates. Yeah. Do, do you there's think there's really no such thing?
2: Yeah. Do, do, do you think that, you know, cuz it was the, it was the hot button or the uh it was the phrase or or everything that everybody was talking about a year and a half ago and it was it was it was mm-hmm. the rage. Do you think mm-hmm. that it, it seemed like it's died down a little bit? Do you think that we're past that or do you, or do you think that that's going to resurface a little bit more as we get closer to the national presidential election?
0: Well, I think it's still here, and one of the reasons why it's still here is because people who actually have some legal training um, disagree with it, and that's fine, right, in the world of ideas of disagreeing with it. Um, And what they disagree with is that traditional legal scholars think of law as being um, race-neutral or colorblind. The critical race theorists say um, it's very difficult to understand law without taking into account The, you know, historical, um, experiences of different citizens. And so that, that is just, um, a debate. Um, but people have turned it into if you send your kids to K through 12, you don't want them learning about Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is critical race theory. Yeah, that's actually not true. Black Lives Matter is not critical race. <laughs> yes, theory.
2: yes, it's not. <laughs> yes, it's not. We're talking to Professor Duchess Harris, Professor of American Studies at Macalester College here on the on News Talk, 830 WCCO. And in the piece um, that you did for Minnesota Reformer, uh, Min- uh, book banning is on the ballot Tuesday right here in Minnesota. Another thing that you did mention is, and we've seen a rise in this um, just across the country um, with um, a lot of the uh, the school boards will have meetings, and you have all these people from different groups um, and parents that are trying to show up and 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 wanting to have some say into what's going to be in the uh, the libraries or what's going to be taught in the classrooms. You know, and and you brought up um, groups like Moms for Liberty and other groups that are intent mm-hmm. on restricting what uh, students may read. Have, have you? Have you sensed or heard of those specific problems um, that we've had here in the state of Minnesota, or do you think this has been more of a national conversation?
0: What's interesting is that it has moved to Minnesota. And I think that for people that don't think it has, we get very comfortable with thinking that we're the North. And this only happens in the South and the Southwest. Mm. And that just, that just isn't true. Right. And so I think that there's um, a smugness where people say, well, we're not Florida. We're not Texas. And I'm thinking to myself, actually we're 2023 and the world is changing. And the world is very resistant to having conversations about white supremacy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I know that one of the things that you kind of finished off the other piece about, Uh, And it really caught my eye. Is And let me read from it. It says the challenges and chilling effects that banning books about race and gender have had on teachers in Florida, Texas, Alabama, North Dakota, Iowa, and even Wisconsin are real and damaging to students. It can happen in Minnesota, too, but only if Minnesotans let it happen. So on that note, what would you like to say to the listening audience out there that should be aware that. Look, when we talk about issues of race and we talk about things to try to um, be impressionable and and, and create diversity uh, in terms of how we think and how we live. um, What are some things that we need to be proactive about so that we don't have ourselves in a situation like those aforementioned um, states that you that you mentioned in the piece?
0: I mean, what we need to be proactive about is that if we end up like a place like Texas, That actually was teaching slavery was willing migration. What will happen is that even if you don't go to college, you'll enter a workforce where you'll have a difficult time interacting with people if you misunderstand their history, or if you go to college you'll be at a disadvantage where students have actually learned about the slave trade.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hey, Professor Duchess. it's been a pleasure to have you here on the show. I I thank you so much, and I'd love to meet you in person. I think that there are a lot of similarities, a lot that I would love to learn from you, uh, just being uh, from my college days and and all the expertise that you have uh, over at Macalester uh, College and and all the other places that you've been as well.
0: Well, I would love to get together with you, and I sent my son to a summer program at Morehouse last summer, so shout out to Morehouse.
2: All right. Thank you so much. We're all Morehouse Maroon Tigers out here. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Professor Harris.
0: OK, bye
2: bye. All right. Take care. That's Professor Duchess Harris from Macalester uh, College, uh, professor of American studies at Macalester College. And I'll tell you this right now. If you go to her website, Duchess dot com and you look at her, um, <clears throat> her background. Beyond impressive, there's a lot beyond of, impressive. There's
3: a lot of meat on that bone. I like. am
2: I am going to jot down right now. I'm going to jot down right now all of the books that she's written um and the research that she's published and yes i will get to doing my research all right we will take a break we'll come back and we'll get to headlines that's next year on the lake show all right let's get to it with headlines here on the lake show thanks again to professor harris for being on the show but now it's time for headlines let's do it
3: all right let's get to it h lake site preparation is underway in south minneapolis for the demolition of the lake street kmart building now, crews start out by removing everything inside of the dilapidated structure that sits heaped in the middle of a massive parking lot. The Kmart opened in 1977, racing several blocks in Nicolette Avenue in the neighborhood. Before the city bought the land, Kmart's lease called for the building to remain in place until 2053. Now, a ceremonial start to the demolition took place on October 29th, nine days after the early morning fire swept through the building. The cause of the fire is still uh, not determined no one was hurt in the blaze and walls of the building will be taken down next week the demolition timetable moved up after last month's fire that gutted the building it was three years ago when city officials approved plans to buy the structure in the surrounding area for 9.1 million dollars allowing for the reopening of Nicollet avenue and there are a number of proposals on the table for the redevelopment of the area
2: ever in your life been in that uh in that building
3: I've never been in the building, but I've I've been in the area. So yeah. Oh yeah, I've, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I've never yeah, I've I've never actually never actually been in the building. Gotcha. So uh so no, that uh that was never been there.
2: I, I've been I, I've been in the building many, many years ago when it was yeah. functional when it was actually a store. So that was a long, long time ago. Because it opened, what'd you say, in seventy seven?
3: Seventy seven, yeah.
2: Yeah, man. I, I remember being a kid uh south side. Well, because I had an aunt that literally lived right across the street in one of the project housing developments back 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 in the day.
3: Mm, okay.
2: Not not on the not on the side where Lake Street is, but on this side, the block that's closest to uh Highway 35.
3: Okay. Okay. Right there. Okay. Yeah, I used to actually I used to live down in that area for a very brief period of time. Did you? When, uh, when I first came up after I graduated from high school, I went to Brown College. Oh, uh-huh. For, uh, for just a short period of time. And I lived in a little one-bedroom apartment above a, a, shoe, uh, above a shoe store. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Run by an old couple. And What I, shoe store? Oh, dude, I don't remember. You don't remember the name? I don't remember. You never now. shopped there? No, I—I I mean, it was like a little shoe repair. Come place. on, man! It was Support a mom and it was a mom and pop. Support small t- business. Oh, dude, that was so long ago. I mean, I—I I don't. Yeah, I—I I just remember being down in that area. Yeah. Hey, President Joe Biden, perhaps the nation's biggest Amtrak fan, is set to propo- uh, promote new federal investments for trains in the heavily trafficked Northeast Corridor. The Democratic president is headed to Bear, Delaware, to announce more than $16 billion in new funding that will go towards 25 passenger rail projects between Boston and Washington, according to the White House. Now, Bear is located about 12 miles from Biden's home of Wilmington. His remarks were held at the Amtrak Bear maintenance shops where trains are maintained and repaired. The investments, the White House says, will help trains run faster, cut delays, and create union jobs. The money comes from the roughly $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure law, that Biden signed nearly two years ago, one of several legislative achievements that the president is touting, he gears up for his reelection bid. From the new law, Amtrak will get about $66 billion in new investments, according to the White House. During his 36 years in the U.S. Senate, Biden traveled back and forth from Wilmington to Washington daily. The president has said that he's logged more than one million miles in Amtrak during his public service career. Quote, Amtrak wasn't just a way to get home to family, said in an infrastructure event in Baltimore early this year. The conductors, the engineer, they literally became my family. There are about 800,000 trips daily in Amtrak's Northeast Corridor, White House says, which makes it the busiest rail corridor in the United States.
2: I've never been on a train in my life. Oh, really? Not on
3: not, oh, a, not okay. on the
2: Amtrak. Not on the Amtrak. I haven't. No, I haven't. Have you? Yes. Really? Where'd you go f- from uh, what point to what point?
3: I was on one from um, Jeff City to St. Louis, I want to say. Back, really back in Missouri yeah yeah we went to uh just an easy way to get from from Jeff City to to St. Louis so yeah just a, a fun, fun little way to travel look at you you know our, our daughter wanted to do something differently well, yeah because I was working at Learfield in Jeff City at the time
2: I'm not anti-train I just have yeah. never had the opportunity to really yeah. do
3: it yeah and that kind of passe too you now which is kind of a shame
2: so wait but, could, could, could I take one from St. Louis to Kansas City Probably not.
3: No, I don't think you can take There's one to Kansas City. There's only certain paths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think because this one, because Jeff City and then St. Louis is on the eastern side of the states. So, yeah, it was it was fun. Ah,
2: Kansas City's got trains that float through. Ah, I bet they, you probably
3: could. Could you? Okay, maybe they do have. You know, maybe they do have one rolling from uh, from Jeff City up to up to Kansas City. You have to find out. Hey, you were talking about chicken nuggets earlier on. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you did not eat one of the Tyson Foods. Uh, chicken nuggets because they're a voluntary recalling 30,000 pounds of their dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets. After some consumers reported finding small metal pieces in their patties. Now the recall, which was announced on Saturdays for 29 ounce plastic bag packages containing, containing frozen, fully cooked fun nuggets, breaded shaped chicken patties. According to the U S department of agriculture, food and safety inspection, those bags have been a, they have a best if used by date, of September 24th, 2024, were sold in Alabama, California, Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, Wisconsin. So maybe Wisconsin, that's the one that you're looking at. There's been one minor oral injury associated with the consumption of the nuggets, according to the USDA, but there are no other reports of, uh, of harm. But they said they're concerned that consumers may still have bags of the recalled fun nuggets in their freezers and advise anyone who does should discard or return the product immediately.
2: Yeah, the ones with the metal pieces on them? Yeah. Yeah, I made you some. So
3: I'll go get you some at the top of the hour. Okay. I mean, I could use it. Definitely <laughs> could. Yeah, definitely could use it, for sure. Hey, uh, in an interview in her upcoming memoir, My Name is Barbara, two-time Oscar award winner Barbara Streisand told the BBC she was fed up with Siri getting her name wrong. My name isn't spelled with a Z, she argued. <laughs> it's Streisand. <laughs> Like sand on the beach. How simple can you get? Now, in a move that a lot of us could, I mean, let's be honest, we can only dream of this. She told the UK media company, uh, she called Apple CEO Tim Cook and said that I need my name change. And guess what? They did it. And that's one of the perks of being Barbara Streisand. Her autobiography hits the shelves tomorrow. And it became a number one bestseller earlier this year when it became available on pre-order. Memoir spans the EGOTs winners, and sixty years in entertainment and beyond from Brooklyn, and uh, it's sounds like it's going to be quite the banger. But yeah, she got she got Siri to pronounce her uh, her name correctly. Barbara stry Sand stry Sand, not <laughs> Strysand, Strysand, stry Sand sand oh man it's like bison with an s sounds like a z but it's an s i love it
2: all right coming up next former white house chief of staff mark meadows has a whole new set of problems that he's encountering we get to that
1: next this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what